Hey everyone, Bonko here from Trident Wargaming. We just want to do a little bit of a PSA. We now have a Patreon account. If you are looking to support the channel and you like what we do, please consider uh, supporting us. And we want to give a big shout out to Frederick. He's our first Patreon supporter. Uh, thank you very much, Frederick, for your support. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we will be using everything that we get from Patreon to improve the processes here on Trident Wargaming. Thanks a lot. All right, hey everybody, welcome back, Trident Wargaming. We've got a 40k episode uh, lined up for you tonight. I am joined with two special guests. We've got Arthur from Charging from Deep Strike Studios. Thank and you for having me once again, Bill. You are very welcome. We've got uh, local admic kick-ass boss and author Scotty B. Hey, Bill. What's happening? Oh, you know. Just shooting, shooting the birds, you know. All the birds, all the birds, so many birds, all the time. Uh, all the, the, the dirty bird, dirty the bird dirty of Zinch himself. It's what uh, Darren calls his dad's old T bird. Was the dirty bird? The dirty bird. Yeah, thing was pretty beat up. They breathed, was it dirty? They breathed some life into her at the end. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. No. It technically moved on its own accord, so it did. That it did. So today we are here to talk Warhammer 40k, not Dirty Birds, from what I understand. That's this is not a this is not a 30k podcast. Nope. This is not your mom's podcast. Though it could be. <laughs> this is a could be Warhammer 40k podcast. So this week. Which welcome here. I guess uh, hobby stuff. Kicking a little bit of hobby stuff. What have you been working on, Arthur? I have been building Tau, non-stop. Uh, last time I was on the podcast, we were talking about like favorite models, uh, and I talked about how the Ghost Heal really inspires me. So somehow between being inspired by, I you know threw down $500 and I bought and built and have like 60% painted uh, a 2,000-point Tau army. Uh, and it, it's it's been my wildest dreams come true. Uh, I have not played like a shooting army this shooting uh, in Warhammer ever. Uh, and it's disgusting. It is gross. You have probably the most oppressive shooting phase in the game, besides maybe some uh, Barbarinsky Karskin. Uh, and it's 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 kind of interesting because um, my my current favorite model, the Hammerhead, uh, you you cannot take saves against it. And whenever like it it normally hits, it almost always wounds. You have rerolls, and people's face when this thing connects is just like, ugh. <laughs> and then you watch them roll their dice. 13 wounds over, or pick their model up off the... T it's, it is the same satisfaction that D-Weapons used to give. Remember D-Weapons giving the D, slinging some D? Yeah. It feels good. You get to say, yeah, uh, pick up that model and that one. Do you do you ask them what their favorite model is when you start the game so you can shoot it off the board first turn? Exactly. Really, really yeah. demoralize them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, You've uh, had a lot of success with week. them. <laughs> with the crisis suits too that's true um i managed to get in two back-to-back -back games on our thursday night club night uh, against chaos uh, knights this week and uh i had the best game of warhammer in my life probably it was the worst game of warhammer in his life and in about i don't know 33 minutes i won 97 to 12 when we re-racked swap sides and played again <laughs> so it's been very satisfying to play this uh, new army um I was joking, I sang it's uh, simultaneously easier and harder than the other armies I play. 
because you only have one phase to really get stuff done in. But you get a lot done in that phase. However, you cannot get charged. Like, if they if, if you get in combat with your suits and 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 you don't have a plan for that, you're fucked. So, it's uh, you really have to like get that pre measure out. You need to know what's happening uh, one turn, maybe two turns ahead. Uh, and it's 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 honestly a little hard. But I've been uh, full steam ahead on the Tau. Um, I think I made it up a couple uh, Eldar casters uh, in between building because I was just so tapped out on on building models. But uh, I I might even be able to play this Tau army come the end of the month at one of the upcoming tournaments. Oof, very Got nice. Any of your uh, Tau kicking around to show us here? You know, maybe, 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 maybe. Yeah, yeah one of those. One of those devilfish or the hammerhead? Because they're looking, they're looking pretty good. I know they got a long way to go, but I was debating about doing uh, pink or yellow as the accent colors, and so I, I did manage to try some of that. I don't know how this is going to show up on the camera. Not yeah, well. You can see it though. Yeah, 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 it's not showing like the edge highlighting or the uh, no. the fades enough. But uh, we did end up deciding to do pink as the accent color. I tried yellow. Pink looked way better. Uh, and I'm still kind of playing with. Um, the intensity of the pink and the tone of it, uh, we're going to go from there. Nice. Cool. Oh, nothing wrong with that at all. What about you guys? What's What's been going on in your hobby world? Uh, well, I've kind of just been back at my little, my, my admittedly much smaller pile of shame that I have going into this year than what I had last year. Um, so How bad was your pile of shame life. last year? You know, like, you guys don't get to see my, my room, I guess, very often. But, like, I don't buy a ton of stuff, but, like, I still have a ton of stuff. It, you know you know how it is. It never seems to end, right? So, and I've always had this dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always had this dream of, like, actually having all my stuff painted. Like, you know, we all have. However, like, this year, honestly, like, it was getting to the point where I was like, you know, was, I'm feeling pretty good about this. I got, like, one, like, two-foot shelf with... Probably not even not even three quarters full of stuff. So I've just been chipping away at it. It's a lot of like weird models. Like I've got a few of the stuff, a few of the pieces left over from the Marine and and Necron set that was at the start of nine. Like some of the characters and things. And I got a bunch of old uh, bunch of old scarabs scarabs here that I'm still working on getting done. And I've got a few Admech models. Like literally, like a, a Strace Guitari here and there. One Castellan robot some half-finished cataphrons, stuff like that. So there's nothing uh, coherent about it, but I'm just like, oh, I just need to chip away at these so that, you know, I can finally achieve this dream. Now, when you finish everything, are you going to go back and paint your bases? Yes, that's the plan. As soon as they're all done, I will paint the first base. <laughs> for, for those of you listening in that uh, don't quite get the inside joke here, I, uh, Scotty has some bases that are uh, textured and painted, but they're, um, they're, they're relatively bare. And I like to poke fun at Scotty over his bases. And uh, Scotty, this last weekend, played at a tournament. Scotty, you want to tell us what happened? <laughs> it was pretty fun. I, I handed in the score sheet from our very first game. You know, it's funny because the organizer had actually been hanging out at our table. He was a very nice man. Um, and he's he was actually just he, just being real nice and stuff and just complimenting stuff. And he, he kind of had complimented... Uh, my models a little bit. Uh, I think he did actually genuinely like the look of them because my Blood Angels had kind of like a bit of a chaos look to them. It looks kind of cool, but I am not a good painter and I'm not even really good at conversions either. So, you know, I kind of was just like, 
was laughing along a little bit, not taking it too serious, whatever. So anyway, he wandered off, and I went and I handed in uh, the score sheet for my first game because they wanted it all written out on paper. <clears throat> and and uh, I went to the bathroom, came back out, and I went back to the table, and he was he was hanging around there, like really looking through my models really really uh, intensely. And I was like, oh hey, how's it going? And uh, he was uh, he complimented. He, he opened the conversation by complimenting my bases. Can I give you a compliment here. sandwich? Yeah, yeah. I was like, here we go, here we go. <laughs> was what I thought. Because I have, as you guys know, I have names on all of my bases. I name all my models. He was, he was, said that looks great. He, he really liked that. He's, then he kind of started mentioning, he's like, well, you know, like the base is painted and you've got the name on there. There's not really much texturing to it. And, you know, that's kind of walking the line a little bit on what battle ready means. And I was like, oh, that's what this is about. Um, so he said, he said, he let me off. He, he said he was going to let me off with a warning, I guess, as you might put it, um, that he would count them as battle ready, but, uh, he, he wanted to see a little more texture on there. It was actually only like 10 of the models because the majority of them are textured, but these specific ones, he was right there. There wasn't, they're just painted. They just had names on them. And he said, I'll, I'll give the names enough. That That's enough flavor that, you know, we'll, uh, we'll let you off on it. So, and I was like, okay, well, thanks Arthur. Um, I messaged Arthur right away, actually. I was like, just so you know, you're not the only one. <laughs> heads you, on you know, like, even, even <laughs> Heads on bowed, bases on painted. That's right. Even when you look on the Warhammer community uh, website that talks about Battle Ready, it's the first thing that comes up when you Google Warhammer and Battle Ready. It is the most generic, non-informative, uh, general uh, criteria that exists. Like, yeah. it, it talks about what Battle Ready, like, is for and it says it's specifically not gatekeeping there's a quote that's really funny uh this is what is it battle ready isn't a bar you have to pass to be allowed into our hobby rather it's an achievable and universally recognized standard that's meant to say all caps yes fear army yes to accessibility and yes to more games with more painted models battle ready is about making painting a celebration rather than a chore no it's not it's not. Well, the, best, the best part in there is the <laughs> universally recognized statement. Because clearly that's just it, is that not everyone does have the same idea of what Battle Ready is. Now, to be fair, I'm not trying to rag this this TO at all. I, Like I said, I actually would like to make sure that all my bases have some texturing on them. That's a work in progress kind of thing. But really, at the at the at for me, at the bottom of it, Battle Ready is about having an army that looks cohesively put together. And you can look at it and say... Yes, that is a painted army. And it like there are some things that I think are universally recognized, like for example, things like three color, uh, not having bare bases or bare or just for sprayed parts, things like that. No gray plastic. Yeah. But at the same time, what actually ultimately counts as it is is different from place to place. And if you run an event, you're absolutely within your rights to decide what that is for your event. Uh, which is what these guys were doing. It it was not hostile a hostile interaction at all it was just funny because of course you guys do like to razz me about my bases and then it, it came up with this stranger that a few of my models were were found wanting so they were found wanting on the tabletop too though so you know maybe he was onto something <laughs> more more on that later yeah <laughs> billy what have you been doing in your hobby lately oh uh, it's it's been a lot of uh fine detail work i'm taking a Hold on, let me guess was it space marines yeah you know, you know. Um, I've only got five power armor armies. 
uh, it's basically I'm, I'm taking my Imperial Fist army that I had uh, tabletop ready in like three and a half weeks built and painted uh, to that next level. I'm starting to go through and do all these extra details, edge highlighting, you know, little scratches on bolters and power or chain swords, everything like that. Um, just trying to take it to that next that next level and uh, get it all ready for uh, LVO. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is LVO? It's the end of the month here? Yeah, January 26th. And you're not going for 40k, you're only going for 30k. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm just going for the heresy. That's really interesting. Uh, seeing as we're talking about upcoming LVOs here in our next segment, um, there's been a bit of controversy on the 40k side of things regarding uh, rules dates. Has there been any of that on the 30k side of things? It's been... No, uh, with 30k, uh, the sunshine is bright and the grass is green. So it's it's been all good. Like the new system's out. They're continuously starting to drop uh, books, uh, but everything's pretty much been FAQ'd and up to date uh, as far as official GW rules go, which is nice. Uh, we'll see how it all kind of plays out. I have a couple suspicions of what kind of armies I'm going to see. There's a three-day narrative event. Uh, day one and two I'm in, and then there's a day three competitive event as well, which I'm in. So I'm interested to see kind of what the... Uh, the narrative and the competitive armies are going to look like it's easy to slap the label narrative and competitive or match play um, onto them. But you know, every time I, I've gone to an event in, in Vegas, there's always, there's always harder armies. So I, I'm interested to see with this format that's being used, how it'll uh, curb, I guess, curb some of the armies into more of a like narrative mindset. Um, one of the biggest, oh. What were you going to say? I was going to ask oh. a question about the competitive day. Yeah. When it comes to that competitive day, do you see like a, a template of what every 3k army is going to look like? There's going to be three dreads and a Spartan and two javelins and a whirlwind and... 3k is pretty much all open as is. There's no restrictions at all. It's pretty much as is. So you can see Fury of the Ancient Dread lists. You can see full tank lists. Probably see a Warhound floating around. There's a lot and of And do you think you'll stuff. see like a, a good variety of stuff? No, competitively, I don't. I, I think you're going to see a lot of Custodes infantry spam and a lot of dreads, personally. Um, which that I'm actually fine. might not be a bad thing because, uh, you know, uh, GW actually does seem to take some tournament feedback and turn that into uh, balance passes. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to do that with 30k, but maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, if at the LVO, dreads are overrepresented, uh, Custodes infantry are overrepresented maybe come uh, a few months down the road they'll do a quarterly update for for 30k and they'll tone the dreads down to being ballistic skill three or uh yeah whatever whatever it needs to happen to make them uh a bit more fair yeah they're currently one of the really strong units in the game uh my army my take is i'm very anti-meta so i i'm built specifically to deal with dreadnoughts and armor which is fine. I don't mind playing against the Dreadnought list. I, I, I'm pretty confident I'll be able to do enough damage and keep them far enough away where I can probably take them out before they get into my lines or at least choose the fight I want to go into. So uh, it should be interesting to see for sure. Now, on the, uh, the 40k side of things, yeah. uh, 
they had a date, like a rules cutoff date for what was it, the the fourteenth or something like that. Fifteenth. Uh, I thought. I think it was the fourth. It was the fifteenth because the arcs of Omen is coming out on the fourteenth. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the LVO had to do a little bit of backpedaling, and they did something kind of controversial. They said now it's December 29th. My question to you is, what do you guys make of this when we have rules dates for for big tournaments? Uh, we got some local tournaments coming up here right away. And, I mean, Games Workshop is a business machine. They're never going to stop releasing stuff. So what sort of hard and fast rules should we as a community adopt uh, to acknowledge this? In the past, there was always a 30-day rule. Um, and I got burned this last year. I'm still upset about Hometown because they, they changed into Warzone Nephilim and it totally screwed one of the armies I wanted to play. Uh because they, they, they updated it late into the season uh, to when that was coming out. So, what should, what should we do for rules cutoff dates? That kind of stuff. Well, it seems kind of weird why they picked it. Was it December 29th? Something Originally like the, uh, the 15th, and then they came back to the 29th. Because didn't the uh, data sheet, balance sheet that came out, there was some things that actually got axed as of January 1st, wasn't it? We're supposed to that's take right. into effect, so I I don't know if that's they're just trying to keep everybody's lists you know status quo because of painting and everything else. But at the same time, I, I see it as a benefit because as soon as the new stuff drops, not everybody is friends with podcasters or play testers or anything like that, and they're going to be at a disadvantage. Where oh, here's three teams that have been cranking out this shit for the last two weeks they're painted they're ready like this is what they know i can see why it's not not exactly fully transparent or fair for everyone else so i i i think the decision is a good one um but i'm just curious why the data slate kind of stuff was ignored because i didn't think it was that crazy that means everything's uh, gonna... it's it's pretty crazy well, scotty go ahead it's yeah it's crazy i guess i think it comes down to especially now um, it comes down to that that finding that healthy balance, right? Because yeah, you you met you nailed it, Bill. There are people in the community who not only you know are are more equipped to change armies on the fly and get a billion practice games in right away as soon as rules drop, but also some people who you know as we're as we're learning you know this last year honestly are getting these rules ahead of time because they're part of the playtesting playtesting coterie that that is uh, helping gw out with stuff which is a good um, thing it is it is mm-hmm. um and then you also have you know you're like you said you're casual gamer um you know it's weird i actually went on uh, out uh, on the internet into the wilderness of the internet the last week or two just to kind of try to get a sense um specifically searching because there are other people asking this question what is the right amount of time what is the right amount of time between when a release drops and when it should be important or, or usable for an event. And, you know, I, th- I always, you know, I agree with you, Arthur, that the standard used to be 30 days or a month or whatever. There's a lot of people who don't like those numbers. Some people want six weeks. Some people think that two should be fine. And it's tough. I think, I think this is being magnified because of the size of the event. LVO is, is widely viewed as like the event, at least on this side of the Atlantic. Um, so, you know, they, there's a lot of pressure to get it right. Um, I know I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody mentioned to me that they, you know, last year though, custodes were 
were right on the cusp of whether they'd be legal or not, and they did end up allowing them, and they 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 had a great tournament with custodes. So this kind of does feel a little wishy-washy compared to LVO's past behavior. There's honestly, there's no right answer, I don't think, but I do think it. They, especially if LVO, as has been reported, has, was in contact with GW for, you know, planning at least some of this stuff. The dates that have been chosen, both on LVO's side and GW's side, seem kind of dumb to me. Uh, because, yeah, I don't think you, I don't think LVO could have gone with Arcs of Omen with it launching two weeks ahead of the event. Not you fairly. And like, no. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I bet you it'll be one of the streaming teams or, or organizers or. Uh, another Art of War uh, person who will win the event again. I would, I would, I would place yep. money on it. Yep. So that uh, uh, would that really change anything? No, no, they already have an unfair competitive advantage. And, I guess it makes and, it more fair though by not letting the new stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. And like the data slate that we just got, and uh, the Munitorum Field Manual. Uh, obviously, they drop you know a week or so ahead of even Arcs of Omen. Uh, but a lot of people would still say that's that's hardly enough time. It's only three weeks or three and a half weeks, whatever it is. So I kind of do get where they're coming from. For a big event that is in January, I actually am on board with the idea of let's have a rules cut off December 29th. Ostensibly, what this event is is the grand finale of Nephilim. Yep, it's got all that. the Nephilim rules. It's got all the Nephilim rules. It's even before all the armies of renown and stuff went away. People have had practice with their Nephilim armies for over six months. It's kind of like saying, hey, this is the uh, the championship for Nephilim. It's, it's basically the fairest for casual Nephilim players, and uh, many of whom are also very, very good. There will be some people in the top 20 or 30 at LVO who are not household names in the Warhammer community. Um, it, it's, it's the best for them. I get it. Had the event been like mid-February, I think there'd be more talk about it. Honestly, the big controversy here isn't even any of it isn't using Nephilim. It's the fact that they had to change their rules cut off because otherwise it would have been very weird. And I think there's actually, if I if I understand, there's still some discussion or, or fighting about the Guard Codex because the Guard Codex, like the Orc Codex that we had last year, had a very strange release where GW basically let the Codex out early, but it's not official. And it's and like... It, it must have something to do with like their, their Christmas schedule for shipping uh, and their December... Uh, boxes so there must be like a certain date where they don't start releasing new product after because of just like getting into warehouses and getting stuff out uh which is why it works this year or last year guard this year what was it before orcs or was that just covid so like it was nothing i, I don't think they at least as far as i know that's the first time i've ever seen them pull what they did like this release the codex in a limited release box oh you know the, the year before that was sisters was it sisters it was the same exact thing. Because sisters okay. have had yeah the limited box, so did uh, Black Templar. They also okay. had that limited box, the limited box where you got the codex inside of the cool artwork. But that was the only way you could run that army. There was people who yeah. had armies that no codex, right? And the codex was yeah. pretty hot. If you bought multiple boxes, you could, you know, yeah. sell the I codex. remember because there was no models for Zephyr out for the LVO. So people were taking, they were buying up Celestine models and taking her two little dinguses. Um, Eleanor and Genevieve, and they were like slamming eight of those together and calling that Zephyrum because it looks the same. Yeah. Yes. Scissors did it too. Uh, I actually support what uh, LVO has done. I think it's a little bit embarrassing for them as uh, a flagship product 
Uh, they should have better communication with GW. This should be set up. They, they, they knew. They absolutely knew that there was going to be a new GT mission pack coming out. So they should have written in their rules very clearly. This will be Warzone, Nephilim, no matter what, etc. Well, they knew that it would ha- like we all knew it was going to be early January, right? Like, come on. So now we have some upcoming events around uh, our local meta here. Um, uh, obviously, there's there's LVO, and so because of that, there's a whole bunch of LVO uh, practice events. Yeah. Different stores are doing that. I know Gamers Den's doing one. I know Taps is doing one. I know Calgary's running one. Um. And then at the end of the month, I think maybe even the same weekend as LVO, uh, Red Claw has a full auto. Now, uh, Red Claw also decided that they were not going to use any of the data slate changes, nothing like that. Uh, and again, uh, it's like probably about two weeks after Arx Omen drops, but two weeks is not really enough time for you to like totally adapt to a new uh, meta, build a meta army, etc. So maybe that's fine. But they also have an event in February, and this event is usually garnered at more of their casual audience, that they have decided to also not use the Arcs of Omen mission pack. That's getting like three weeks to a month. So at some point in time, you're going to be, what, uh, 20% through through a season, and you're not using that pack yet? Like, it's it's so hard to pick the right amount of time of when we need to start using these these mission packs and these data slates and this new detachment and everything else. Well, and that's that's the interesting take there too that I think is is totally relevant is that if GW is doing six month uh, mission packs, which again is actually pretty cool. I think for somebody who's invested in the hobby, it's awesome. I have actually seen a lot of pushback it pushback about it for people who you know, maybe are more casual because, yeah, the game's just changing faster than ever. But if you are doing six-month mission packs, yeah, you, like, if you wait a month, that's how it's a five-month mission pack. <laughs> yeah. Then it kind of is and it isn't because, of course, the flip side is that if you're using that mission pack a month after the next one comes out, you did get six months out of it, right? Unless your hometown. Well, Phoenix. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still mad about uh, that. They couldn't play Eldar at the height of Eldar supremacy. Well, now you know how all the Admech players felt. Um, but I do, I do think that as the February fifth event, uh, from what I understand, isn't even going to be using data slate or any of the Munitorum stuff either. Like the new points, it's it's basically doing the same thing where it's like we're going back to December, and that's what yeah. that's the rules we're using. Um, but again, you know, like you said, that it's mar- that particular event's marketed to a casual audience, which again, maybe if those are people who only pick up a game once a month or so, and or you know, guys who are newer or whatever, that that might not be a bad idea. Uh, ultimately, any event, it's between the players and the TOs. Uh, and I do actually encourage more players to be in contact with TOs and telling them what they want, because if you're a TO, that's kind of actually, I think you should want that feedback. Absolutely. So. Now, there is a certain tournament organizer here who's running an event called Winter War coming up right away. Oh, yeah, the uh, Warzone oh, yeah. Winterfront. Trouble. Trouble Warzone makers, Winterfront. Right? That's right. Now, from what I understand, this is going to be like a premier Edmonton event. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, the organizers have a great track record. They've run a few good events. And I think within their players bag, they had the foresight to say, we'll be using the most updated mission. Okay, we're, we're running an event. It's called uh, Warzone Winterfront. And we actually had the foresight to talk about uh, all of this stuff in advance. And we knew that there was going to be a new mission pack. And we said, we'll be using whatever new mission pack is out. Yeah. Uh, giving people all the time. Now, it's pretty early in the season. The meta is not going to be established yet. 
people are not going to have solved it. Are there going to be some strong data sheets? Sure. Demons are going to be powerful. Guard is probably going to be the boogeyman. Leagues of Otan might be up there picking on demons. However, everyone's going to have that same thing going through. They're, they're going to know. We're not changing the data slate. We're not doing anything. This is the expectation. Yeah. And they have months to prep. I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Well, and like you said, that, that's the... <laughs> That's the uh, that's kind of the embarrassment for LVO, right? That's really to me. That's the whole thing. It's just the fact that for such a well-connected, big, uh, fairly well-run organization, that you know they didn't have the foresight, and especially knowing that we know as a fact that they're talking to UGW, that they couldn't put it in their mission pack ahead of time to say, "Yo, uh, these are these are the rules we're going to use," and you know, instead of setting a date. Because dates can be, as we know at GW, dates can be finicky. They can be tough. Absolutely. Uh, just say this is; these are the rules we'll be using, and it would have solved the whole issue. You know, there wouldn't have been all this all this big uh, drama on the internet. So, which is too bad. But I mean, I'm sure LBO will still be. Once guys get there, it'll be a ton of fun. So, oh, you yeah. know what? You know who I hope wins LBO? The guy who got kicked from the Art of War team. <laughs> Brad Chester. Brad Chester. And I hope he does it just completely gooned. Well, that would that would make for drama. I mean, I guess yeah. <laughs> I guess in some ways, I guess in some ways, drama is always like we all act like it's it's uh, so scandalous, but the scandal scandal gets views, right? No, like, I mean Conor McGregor is not the world's greatest fighter. He just builds up great drama, or did. Well, there you go, right? Well, I'm Saturday. you know if you, if you do it once, you can do it again, so. Now, Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about this event? Because it's not just Warhammer 40k. No, it is actually going to be a uh, dual system. We've got Warhammer 40k, and then we also have Bolt Action. Uh, we're trying to spread a little bit of love to the Bolt Action scene, trying to grow it um, into a th thriving community. There's a lot of passionate players involved that uh, do come out and play at uh, Red Claw. Uh, Andy, he is a Sarge there at Red Claw for dropping nights on Wednesdays. And uh, we went down to Calgary, which uh, Dana ended up running a event there in December. And it was really good. We had a lot of fun uh, playing in it. And it kind of sparked the, hey, you know what, like, we should try and, you know, home grow a community here. Uh, obviously, standing beside 40K is always a good idea just because 40K is very popular. It allows us to be able to still sell out our venue um, and also have, you know, a spot carved out for these bolt action players to start kind of growing into the scene. Uh, it was nice uh, to kind of get that together. Um, it, it should be really good. I'm I'm hoping that it's going to sell it on the bolt action front. Uh, if not, it it's easy enough for us to open up slots for 40K. We can do kind of a wait list. Hey, who didn't get in? Who wants in? And how fast did 40K sell out? Like... Minutes. It was pretty much the first uh, first few hours. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Bill, is this the first bolt action event in Edmonton? Like big tournament? Well, uh, tournament at all, I guess. Standalone, uh, like on its own. Yes. Normally, they have ran some uh, tank war events and stuff like that through the store uh, through Red Claw, which was you know graciously hosted by them, and they provided lots of prize support and whatnot. Uh, this is the first one that we're going to be running essentially kind of standalone on our on our own uh, as uh, Trident. Uh, so I, I have high hopes. I think it's going to be really good. Andy's been busting it out really vigorously over the last couple of weeks, getting a bunch of terrain ready. I've thrown some terrain at it as well because we really want to 
amplifier, or I guess, be the leading example. We want our tables to look good. We want terrain to be good. We want people to come play these like nice-looking tables with their armies. Uh, essentially, you know, you don't have to be fully painted. I always recommend players be fully painted. I just, for me, paint is always playing better. But uh, personal choice, right? Like, uh, as for the good bases. Well, yeah, always, always. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm kind of. I'm kind of a little more lax on bases. I'm I'm fine if you wanted to honestly like spray paint them all brown and wash them. I could give a fuck. Like to me, yeah, it's not a black plastic base. It's good. I don't think that's, you're that's good. I'm I'm base gonna really like bad. clip this part of the podcast and bring it to me. Bring it with me to to uh, Winterfront just Do it. just in case. Just in case there's any uh, questions about my army. So yeah, I heard that To's a real hard ass. <laughs> Only about bases. Only about bases. Oh man! So um, I'll, call, I'll call Dad on him. <laughs> what is it about uh, bolt action that that draws you to the game? I know I know you play many games, right? You're into 40k, 30k, uh, bolt action, um, BattleTech, BattleTech, Blood Bowl. Like I know you played some Blood Bowl. I, I dabbled in Blood Bowl. Um, we've been. But what is it about bolt action that? Uh, what's the appeal? What what draws you to it? I like bolt action for the. I guess ease of gameplay. It's a very easy system. Um, now that I've been playing actively, uh, the system's nice. It's very casual beer and pretzels. Like there isn't like an actual beer and pretzels game. It feels like an actual beers and pretzels game. Like yeah, you can build some greasy shit and you can double reinforce platoon and you can really min max to kind of take very powerful things. But if if you're just playing straight up, hey, this is what I want to run. And you want to have fun with it? You can. You you can essentially use anything from real life to inspire you as well. Like I picked an era. I'm gonna play mid war Americans, 1943, and I researched online what was the tech like, what was the leading tech coming into the army, and I you know ended up converting and making my army based around that timeline. And I kind of roll with my own bonkos bastards and. Kind of, just, I have a unique play style with them, right? And it's it's very fun, um, very easy just to pick up, throw some dice around, and just just play. Um, that I do like. So it's it is good. And the nice thing is, obviously, the real world inspiration you can base it off of anything you can honestly find. So it's decent. Well, uh, if there's anyone who's curious about bolt action. Um, and wants to see it tried out, you should come out to uh, Warzone Winterfront if you're not playing in 40k otherwise. Uh, and if you want to see how it's done, be a great place to like get a live demo. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just to check it out. And uh, if you are interested and you have no idea you know, where to go, where to stop, uh, just hit us up on the socials. Ask, pop by Red Claw on Wednesdays. So you can see a bunch of guys playing. It's it's a fun game. So Now, Arcs of Moment. Arcs, Arcs of Omen. Juicy, juicy stuff. R.I.P. Arcs of AOC. Mary AOC. <laughs> <laughs> so. Where do we start? Arcs of Omen. So, uh, Where we've been, do you start? Well, we've been talking about it the whole time. We talked about LVO. There's this new match yep. play coming out. So, uh, for those of you not in the know, uh, next weekend we have a new match play season coming out. Uh, Warzone Arcs of Omen. Uh, and one thing that's kind of funny is that we're no longer retrieving Nephilim data. We're retrieving... Battlefield data. They've they've gotten rid of the. It only took them that. four four rules packs to finally be like, you know what? <laughs> we can just call this battlefield data. 
What was the original one? Secure teleport? No. Deploy scramblers. No, deploy. That was a, that was a different secondary. Okay. That was a completely, completely different secondary, Arthur. God. Ah, well, they got rid of the cool ones like Pierce the Veal and stuff. Yeah, I know. Um, but l like it or not, there there is a new uh, match play coming out. They're moving the plot ahead a little bit. They're going to release a couple new models. They got boarding actions, which I'm stoked for, but I'm probably not going to buy into. Uh, but one of the biggest things is we're losing armor of contempt. Probably the biggest game life change, I would say. Yeah, the most uh, impactful change across many armies. So, uh, armor of contempt for those of you who are not super familiar with 40k, uh, essentially negated the first point of armor reduction against your armor. Uh, one of the problems that I have had with 9th edition playing Sisters of Battle over over the couple years that's been out now is that power armor doesn't feel like power armor. There's so much like little uh, AP1 stuff in the game that you never really get to roll your 3-ups. Armor of Contempt drastically changed that, and it made your 3-up saves and your 2-up saves quite good. Scotty and Bill, you guys play the most power armor here where it's most relevant. Uh, how did it feel to have Armor of Contempt? Oh, it felt good. <laughs> you know, it's I'll be it's, honest. It's it's funny because like I have I have uh, I have two marine armies, and I and then I have these other two armies. And for me, like I really got uh, the system shock of, of armor of contempt because both of my non marine armies were two of the most or two that were the most punished by it it being brought into the game because there right. were armies that were very heavy on low AP really counted on a lot of dice to get things done. Uh, and suddenly, you know, <laughs> especially with the fact that Armor of Contempt, like, statistically speaking, the better your save, or, or the higher your save, the, the more you're getting, the more impact you're getting out of that dam or uh, uh, penetration reduction, just the way that the rounding errors and everything work. Right. So, a like, you just... A two-up save passes 100% more saves than a three-up save. You take 100% less damage, yeah. That. Um, so it was a big deal. Uh, and, it, you know, honestly, like, I'll, I'll say that. So that was Admech and uh, Necrons. And both those armies, like, really took it on the chin uh, with the advent of Armor of Contempt. Now, the Necrons, of course, still had their fun in the sun, but it was completely related to secondaries. Um, I think even a lot of very good Necron players will tell you that it's, it's not about killing anything because they don't get very far on that. For Space Marine players, of course, it was a big boon, especially, you know, the Deathwing armies and the Sanguinary Guard armies and anybody who could spam 2-plus armor saves. Uh, and, like, honestly, yeah, it, it made them feel relevant, but obviously the tournament data has shown that for a lot of those armies, it still didn't necessarily bring them up in win rates. Uh, and there was a lot of things about Armor of Contempt not to like for what it... the way it directed the meta of the game. So I think, like macroscopically getting rid of it is actually a great idea because it wasn't doing what it was meant to do which was to boost marine win rates like the highest chaos space marines were doing all right some of their sub factions i'd argue that that's not necessarily because of armor of contempt they definitely benefited from it but it was just a newer book that was built for the modern game right the there the had some boost in the arms that marines don't have they have the black rune marines don't have anything like that that's the you're you make a good point yeah they've got an abaddon you know things like that um so you know it wasn't it wasn't doing what it wanted or what they wanted it to and it was causing plenty of other problems so get rid of it and i think that that will impact the hobby really positively 
how it actually impacts the armies that made use of armor contempt is kind of a mixed bag. Now, uh, I know that Marines have struggled. Uh, I mean, since since their first book came out, and they're they're absolutely getting some sort of update here within a few months. What that looks like, whether it's uh, a, a new book 2.0 or uh, supplements, to be seen. But they're getting something. We know that for sure. And maybe they're not. Maybe that'll be tenth edition. Who knows? But I mean, the days of Marine supremacy are are pretty close to nigh. We one can hope. Um. I would find it especially funny if their win rate tanked even further this season. Not because I don't like Marine players. You guys are both Marine players. You love your Marines. I I, I get you. I have a Marine army too. I just don't play it. It's true. It's, it's in the display case. <laughs> I do I do honestly, like, I, I mean, we, th- we talked about this a little bit. I do think that there are a couple of Marine armies that will see their win rate drop. They like because there's right now a lot of the narrative on the internet is that Marines were actually buffed because GW did do a lot to try to mitigate this change, uh, the loss of AOC, uh, and it's it's all like it's all sorts of things. I mean, it's the same thing where all the talk about the Arcs of Omen detachment that's not just Marines that changes the ball game for lots of armies. Yeah, it uh, does. And no matter what you think is going to happen with your army then, you know, we also have to wait for the meta effects. You know, I've been saying this about my Admech. They're an army that I do think is going to come up a lot. But they were in a really deep hole. So is it going to be enough? And the answer is maybe. Uh, some A lot of that's going to have to do with the fact that, like, Tyranids are going to come down a lot, and Harleys are going to come down a lot, and, and you've got all these other armies that are kind of going to switch places and maybe change up what units they use. So the meta might take a while to settle. But there will be... Definitely some Marines, and I would argue many of the factions that are the worst right now, like some of those Marine, competitively, some of those Marine chapters are, are literally in the low 30s, like, like high fists. 20s, like absolutely fists that will come up a lot, especially the shooty ones. Um, the changes, fists, uh, yep. salamanders, uh, yep. Ravier, I mean, I don't know what uh, their hands are doing, but... Iron hands. Well, iron iron hands weren't great. They're better than some of those other ones. Ultramarines, I think ultramarines will come up a lot, especially if if. Uh, oh, they can spam their tack doctrine all game. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think you will see a lot of them come up, but I do think specifically the assault focused marines may not come up much, or or probably even drop. I think blood angels will drop. Uh, white scars will see, you know, but uh, space wolves, black black templars, you know, it's kind of more of a mixed bag, but. But I do think, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of those chapters that have been hurting, they've been hurting for a long time. And AOC did not help, so this is a this is a positive change. And it's a positive change for everyone who's playing against Marine. So Yeah. I, I did like it as a Marine player. It made my Marines feel durable. Even my Chaos Marines. I would uh I have some reservations about sisters getting it because i don't think they wear actual power armor but that's just that's something different yeah i don't think sisters should have gotten it but when we have a six-sided dice and both have power armor uh how do you because it's not the same they don't have the ports that marines have you're right no they don't have that black carapace um they've got at least one port that a marine doesn't have that <laughs> maybe yeah. Maybe uh, that's, this, uh, maybe is it that's... time for our ad break? <laughs> okay, today's stream is sponsored by Adam and Eve. You can get that at uh, with your with your code. 
Code Scotty. Oh <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll take that out in the editing. We'll we'll take that out with the editing. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. we're leaving it. It's um, fine. <laughs> no, I like you're right, Arthur. Uh, we could do a whole podcast on the fact that people have been begging GW since literally Rogue Trader to use more more like different types of dice, D8s, D10s, you know. So that would go a long way for fixing a lot of things. I don't, I don't want to roll D8s, and, and I don't want to roll 25 D8s or D10s and then pick out my uh, 5, 6, 7s, and 8s, because that is going to be harder than rolling the same amount of D6s. Yeah, but, but we could have sisters with proper armor. They have proper armor right now. Just call them mm-hmm. flak. It's just not 4 plus flak armor. Oh, yeah. that's not flak armor, it's power armor. Okay, okay so they okay, get 3s okay, and then real, real power armor should be 2s. Well, well that's Terminator got, armor. Like if this one, got... You know sisters down to like seven or eight points a model then you'd be okay with it absolutely because they have no durability as is the fact that they have power armor has been completely irrelevant as soon as they get targeted you pick them up welcome to t3 yeah. boys yeah it's d3 well in any case i think it's going to be very it's going to be a very interesting this will definitely be i think the biggest meta shift we've had in a long time uh nephilim was different than nakmund but I don't think it was as different. There was, of course, the big CP change, but... I think the bigger changes from Nephilim were just uh, the codexes that were coming out. Yeah. The, well, uh, well Tyranids, right? Um, Eldar, to some extent. First half of the year had been a bunch, like, explosive book after explosive book. Custody, Eldar, Tau, Tau Eldar. Uh, Tyranids. Harleys, Eldar of course, Nids. kind of were with Eldar, but they came out. Um, so, yeah, it it was it was a very uh, fast-moving meta, which I think actually slowed down a good bit in Nephilim, partially because of the changes, partially because GW kind of adjusted how they were doing things. We didn't get uh, nearly as many books in the second half, did we? No. Like Space Marines. Dwarves. <laughs> you golden dwarves, sure. Dwarves, Chaos yeah. Demons. What else? Uh, Chaos Demons. Demons, uh, Gar- Garter kind of sort of coming out now, of course. Um, they, again, they're kind of in a weird limbo. So, is yeah, that, it, it, we're probably forgetting somebody, and the people who play that army are going to be very offended. Yeah, they're just like screaming at the screen right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talked um, about the Chaos Space Marines. Those fanboys aren't going to get upset. spaghetti with us. No, it's oh, true. they don't get. They're, they're good. They don't get upset about anything. They're actually a really chill group of people. They it's are. kind of funny. Uh, they they let it out on the tabletop. <laughs> they've been they've been broken by many years of GW's abuse. So, uh, but I do think, like I said, that this will be for sure, especially this first month or two, is going to be wild. And and I think that's good. I, there's a lot of people who are like, ah, oh, the game was in such a good space, and now they're just wrecking it. And then, like, it, to be fair, the game wasn't a, a pretty good space. I'm not going to say it was a great space, but it was better than it had been before. I don't think it's wrecked. I actually wouldn't be shocked if we, if, you know, four or five months from now, we were like, wow, you know, Arx of Omen turned out to be an even better meta than, than Nephilim was, because the way at least I'm looking at it right now is the, the factions coming up and the factions going down uh, are the right factions. And I, you know, people sometimes think uh, you, after every data slate or rules update, they say, oh, this, this change completely puts this army on the shelf or or it makes this army way too powerful and i'm like you need to go back and look and actually think about some of the huge nerfs and or buffs that armies have gotten in the past and how much it actually materially affected their win rate 
because we have seen some ma- like Tyranids. We saw some massive nerfs to them. This, this is the round third round of them. Three or third four round, nerfs. Three or four, yeah. And you know, each time it's brought win rates down, but like after three rounds of huge nerfs, they were still at a fifty-six percent. You know, so this is gonna drop them more. Sure, I don't think this means you put them on the shelf. Hell, if they drop below fifty, that's still pretty good as long as it's in the high forties, right? And it's the same thing for Marines. They're like, oh, you're going to have Marines with 60% win rates. I'm like, man, have you seen where some of those Marine armies are? They are not going to start winning twice as many games as they were before. Um, I think you actually legitimately might see the era of 25 or so different factions all being meta-relevant. That'd be amazing. Yeah, But it's going to be explosive to start. It's going to be wild, because people are going to be trying all sorts of stuff. Well, let's roundtable this for a sec. What are the winners and losers within the own our own armies that we own here today? Bill, why don't you go first? Who's coming out ahead most for you uh, in Arcs of Omen, and who's going to be uh, dropped behind the most? Just from reading that data slate, I do feel that my executioners, my play as Imperial Fist, are probably going to get a good bump up, uh, considering all the point adjustments, all the free war gear, and then being able to stay in a, a Devastator Doctrine. Or Have you mathed out exactly how many free points you're going to get? No, but uh, I just kind of quickly went over what i was playing for lists and it's probably around like the 240 240 points like for free so you're getting uh like a 15 percent, 10 to 15 yeah. percent just larger army yeah just off the hop right and th- that's from just point reductions across the board and then from free war gear so it should it, it'll be interesting to play I, I do feel a little bit of a sting with my chaos marines although it makes me more inclined to play my iron warriors again Obviously, because I get to keep Armor of Contempt, yeah. <laughs> or at least a version sort of. of it. So Right, uh, yeah, totally. And it does prioritize the gunline armies for Marines, I yeah. think, this update does. So, Yeah, I'm still interested big in... Guns. Big guns. Well, big guns never tire. And uh, yeah. I, I still am interested in Drukhari. I, I would like to bring them out now that it seems that they're, you know, not the hardcore bandwagon. At the time when I, I was starting to buy everything... They're too hot to touch and like, oh, they're OP, they're broken. And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not jumping on the army because I want to win. I'm jumping because I like the army and it's cool. And now it seems like they're cooled down a bit where I might actually be able to jump in and probably bust them out for get them ready for 10th anyways. You weren't a bandwagoner at all. You had a genuine interest in whips and chains. Yes. Whips and chains excite you. Yeah, absolutely. I am curious to see uh, how many people are going to be dumping off their uh, their Harlequins and their Nids uh, here right away. Um, within, so we, we all play, well, Bill doesn't, but he's going to. We play in the Edmonton Warhammer League, and we got like 42 people. Uh, and because I knew there was going to be a mission change, I said halfway through the season, people could change their armies. So I'm really curious who's going to be changing their armies and what they're going to be changing to. Are all are the tiered players going to, like, jump ship? Uh is our is our resident Harlequin player going to jump ship? Because going from a four up involve to a five up involve is pretty bad. <laughs> um, yep. I'm curious how many meta chasers are going to uh, do that. Well, and the Marines Scotty. are interesting. Like Winners and losers within your change. army. Um, well, like you guys already hear me. Like I, I, I've seen some people who've made the argument that you know Blood Angels will be fine, and I that's fair. My personal take is I I don't think they will. I think that I've seen a, you know a couple of guys be like, well, they can use this unit now, they can use this unit now, and I'm like, those units aren't like they can be. You can have good units, but they don't work for the army. 
Uh, everybody's talking about plasma interceptors right now, which is fine. They're good. They're great at that price point. Yeah, Blood Angel can run them. Here's the thing. You could run plasma interceptors in any Space Marine army, and in any Space Marine army, they'll be better than they are in Blood Angels. So if you're running plasma interceptors, why are you playing Blood Angels, right? So it's it it's not it's not a benefit to the army. You should just be doing something different, which is fine. Um, Blood Angels have had a little bit of fun in the sun as probably one of the better, if not the best, space like loyalist Space Marine faction for a little while now. So that's fine. That's I just thought, the cycle of armies. I thought we all played Blood Angels, buddy. <laughs> Angels of Death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually the codex I'll be using going forward. Is that oh, one beautiful. right there? So, uh, my two thousand point army has like three squads and a character in it and a rhino. Uh, but on the flip side, as uh, Arthur has been dreading, uh, I think he actually wakes up in a cold sweat once a week about it. Uh, I think my admech are on on the ups, right? Uh, and there's it's not even I think like you, there's nothing about these changes that is bad for admech and plenty of good. So they will be, they'll be on the climb. Uh, we'll see how high they climb, but uh, it would be nice if they felt a little bit less hamstrung. Um, my Necrons will be changing, of course. I didn't actually play my Necrons very much in Nephilim because I didn't like how the army played, even though it was pretty good for a while. It just, it's just a boring playstyle for me, and I, I kind of, I do play competitively, but I, I just, I, I hate not enjoying it, you know? Uh, very it's just boring. really, play. really... It's like really, really bad sex. You're there, you're yeah, doing it, but yeah. like no one's having you want fun. To, you want to do it, but also, yeah. So you're there's not, that. You're I not do happy think about it. <laughs> you're half happy, half happy. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So like, and then you know, I've got these white scars that are permanently, permanently my my fourth ch chapter or fourth army that I I never find time to play. So I don't really feel like commenting too much on them because I don't play them enough. But uh, I do think that we will definitely see a pretty cool meta shakeup. This will be the first time in a year that I think that people won't be terrified of Tyranids showing up at their events. Um, first time there won't be a, a Dark Horse Harlequin player who's just tromping everybody, you know, when they hit that top two or three tables. We'll have a genuine turnover of the top armies. And hopefully we'll have a, a, a really diverse field where, you know, you actually get... 10 or so, or maybe more factions, which are, are constantly duking it out at the top tables. Should be really cool. What do you think, by the way, Arthur, uh, once you get through this, what do you think about about your new Tau there? Uh, and how they might be filling that role? You know, uh, Tau took about a 5% points nerf. Their stuff got about 5% more expensive. 10% uh, on suits, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so you, you are playing with like I think it ends up being like you know seven or eight percent less of an army. Um, however, everything else got nerfed. All the other top boogeymen got a, a way bigger kick in the pants than Tau did. Um, Demons with flamers, um, armor of contempt, which matters because Tau can put out a lot of minus one shooting. Uh, but Tau got some nerfs too with that that Sun Shark bomber and. Uh, I'm I'm most curious to see personally what GW is going to do with the Supreme Commanders. So Shadow Sun, Abby, uh, the the Necron dude, because um, that matters too. Silent King. I think that Tau will put up some results. Uh, I think that uh, people who are like diehard Tower players that have been playing it for a while will see some success. Uh, I don't think they're going to be like the number one faction. Uh, I think that I'll put up 
I think they'll be my strongest performing army, though, or the ones that I own. Uh, I think Eldar stocks are going up. Uh, uh, mostly because of the new detachment. I, I think really benefits them. They don't have to take their troop tax, which was really, really painful for them. Um, and, you know, they, they have some changes to, like, Swooping Hawks. But the new change to the secondaries for uh, being in your opponent's deployment zone is just free Eldar points. And combining when you uh, talk about the points change to Trout Runners, at, at 90 points for three, they're now the exact same points as Wind Runners, and they're not the same data sheet. I'm sorry, but they're not. Trout Runners are better in every way. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. I think that uh, Craft Worlds will see a... Oh. Craft Worlds without Harlequins will see a win rate boost. But because of the Harlequin nerf, you will see on like Warhammer stats, Craft Worlds will come down on it. Um, but like pure Craft Worlds will come up. Uh, but my beloved, the Sisters, I think they're seeing the shelf this this season. Um, their secondaries got toned down a bit, so uh, they lost Leap of Well, Leap of Faith got changed. Um, they lost it. They lost it. It's bad because uh, you you need those four fives and sixes on those miracle dice to 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 do things impactful for the game. Um, they changed the, uh, not Sacred Shrine, but the other one, uh, no, it is Sacred Shrine, yeah, yeah. to, uh, uh, instead of five points outside your zone, it's four. Uh, I think that's actually fair, uh, and I think that that secondary will continue to depend on the mission. Some missions, it will still be, uh, t slap 12 points automatic fight for the other three, uh, and some points you're like, damn, this is a bad secondary. Um, but when you, when you couple those secondary nerfs, uh, and the changes to Armor of Contempt, I think that they're going to see them drop down from their like, 54% win rate to about like, a 49, 48, somewhere there. They just, their data sheets do not have the viability to take on uh, Bellicors. Um, they're, they're not Votan. They're not Guard. Yeah. Their, their data sheets are not even AdMech. No, no, I, I, cost for cost. No. They do have some very good trading units, which I think will still be good, and that's basically going to be the army's lifeline. Uh, it's true, but uh, right. there are many things that they can't trade with. Like, they can't trade with Greater Demons. No. Um, you know, actually, if, if Marines come out, Sisters love to pick on Marines. It's like they're... Because yeah. Sisters... Yeah. Or Marines almost always come in those, like, those five or seven man squads, right? You're barely taking ten man unless you're doing some sort of Black Rune of Damnation shenanigans. Uh, they love Marines, so maybe yeah. maybe that'll come up. I'm actually curious about Custodies, though. I think that they'll see some Custody stocks improve. Well, I was actually just going to ask you something along that line, like, uh, quick and dirty, you know. Uh, if you were to pick a top three, say, I don't know, April, what do you think is going to be the top three boogeyman... Uh, uh, win rate type armies, and maybe they won't even be boogeyman. Maybe they'll just be the top win rates, but everybody isn't too upset about it because it's only like a fifty-five or something like that. No, why don't you take this one first? With my put them on the spot. Yeah, I was gonna say with my limited uh, expertise. Yeah. In forty k, I'm probably gonna say guard are gonna be pretty gnarly. I've already been hearing some gnarly stuff about them. Um. Guard, Bellacore, and like Bellacore demons, and I'd say mm, I would probably say um, what was it? Uh, just an iron, iron hands, probably going to be going up again from what we were talking about. Experience, no. okay, okay. 
Uh, no, no, you can't. You can't just copy his answers, Arthur. Oh, I wasn't planning. I was gonna look quick. Look well, Warhammer stats and see what was the most before, and we don't have time yeah. for that. Uh, I think Bill, you're right. I think guard. We're gonna see top three. I think they have some some great stratagem synergy. They have some stupidly easy secondaries uh, where you just get to write 15 in your column and call it a day. Yeah. Um, and and they have uh, they have not been nerfed yet. Uh. There, I think the only codex that has not that has come out and has not got a nerf, uh, and they're the final codex. It'll come, you know, barring barring world leaders, they, they will get a nerf. They'll fix the Barbarin's key car skin. They'll be able to do thirty six mortal wounds or whatever it is, uh, and they'll probably tone down some other shit. And their HQs that get taken and everything, we'll see a points bump, but uh, they're they're going to be number number one for sure. Um, I I think. I think locally we are still going to see demons come out on top, but I think like in international meta, I think they'll fall off. I don't think that they'll have that same staying power. Mostly because I think that dwarves are going to come up and they're really going to prey on them. But I don't think that dwarves are going to be uh, like the, our number three. Um, and I think that number three spot is going to be widely shared between like twelve armies. I think you'll see some dwarves in there. I no, think you'll no, you see... got to pick one. Come on now. I, I Put don't the money think. Down. There isn't, the there isn't a third best. Yeah, well, then pick pick the best of the third best. Uh, it's not going to be Nids. I, I it it might be Tau. It might be Craft Worlds. I honestly think those two armies have the the power to get through. Um, as much as I shit talk Admech, it could also be them. It uh, w the winner of this particular the person who gets the closest here will get a signed Sarah Palin T-shirt. By the way, there you go. Uh, I think I, I mean I, I do I do agree. I, I don't know that guard will be top. I think they might be top three though. I think that the main thing with guard is just it is a very flexible army, uh, so they're very good at adjusting to different metas. And like you said, Arthur, I I mean there's something to be said for having two if not more, really good secondaries. Uh, that's just a, it's, it's, yeah, it's a great way to win games. Um, I do agree. I think Chaos Demons are, are really strong, but I think that they're also, they're one of those armies a bit like Knights, where they can maybe they're They can come out like gangbusters, but then everybody kind of figures it out. And I do think that some of the armies, which they're, like, are kind of the natural predators of Demons, per se, are on the ups. Uh, Guard, I think, are one of them. I think you mentioned Admech. Admech are great in the Demons. Um, so, you know, I think Demons will fall off. I do think they'll be very good, though. I just don't know that they'll be, like, a top three army. Uh, I do, do agree. Dark Elder have played the Demons? Is that a... We're, we're uh, yeah. I'll get to them. I'll get to them. I'll I have a thought on that. Tongue, maybe. Um, yeah. The Votan, I think, will I think like now is the delayed rise. Well, not rise, but delayed era of Votan. They've definitely taken some nerfs, but like a lot of their competition just took it on the chin, and uh, and they're great and they're great into armor of contempt. So if Marines do come up, or into the lot, lack of armor of contempt, if Marines do come up, that's going to be a lot of good matchups for them. And then uh, you kind of mentioned it yourself there a little bit. I I think uh, Custodes is is going to be an army that is going to be crawling right back into the fight. Uh, they've never really disappeared. They've actually been holding on pretty good. Um, but they definitely, the nerfs that they took back at the start of Nephilim have kind of took them off their, their podium that they were enjoying with some of the other spring armies. Well, I think that this stress, is... Uh, more than once yeah. a game. Yeah, and, and a lot of the armies that were keeping them down have taken it too. I think that they legitimately will surprise people. 
Um, but if I did have to pick a dark horse, you said it, I would pick I would pick Drakari. I think that they've they've also recovered a lot of their strength and they're a good Drakari player is a really magical thing, you know? I think that they'll they'll make some noise, especially internationally. So What's the next huge tournament that, that's non LVO that'll be using this? Is it gonna be Adepticon? I think so. I, I would say Adepticon because that's end of March. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it's got to be Adepticon then. We'll have to circle back on this conversation come come after Adepticon, and yeah. uh, and and see whatever Art of War has cooked up. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, to, to win that. What what all the talking heads on the internet say now that we're now that we're some of them? So, I actually I haven't watched the the tier lists because you know how I feel about tier lists. Yeah, I I, um, I don't either. I have people tell me what they say, and then I say, well, that's great, but. We'll see. They're very. Good. All of them have very good players who would kick my ass every single day, twice on Sunday. They're very good at commenting on. I think the armies they do play, and I think they sometimes don't have the best takes on the whole meta, especially if their team, whoever they might be, lack players from a certain corner of the meta. But whatever. That's you know, they're just they're just doing their thing. They're just they're providing a lot of good info to people. I just think that sometimes taking their word as law is a a dangerous thing, especially for a casual player. So, but I signed up to the war room right now. They're promising a twenty percent win rate increase. Well, you can't you can't add twenty percent to a hundred percent, Arthur. Undefeated Tau going first. You know what I mean? Un- That's actually yeah, hundred's <laughs> the limit, man. Like you can't you can't win more than all your games. Like I'm sorry. Hundred and ten percent. Hey, uh, we mentioned Adepticon here. You're going to Adepticon, right? I am going to Adepticon, so I, uh, I'm i actually not going to play in a tournament, though. Uh, I'm going because I want to upgrade my painting a little bit. I've been saying for a few years that I feel like uh, my current level of painting, uh, like the, the things I'm missing is like professional training. Um, and it was one of the 30k guys at Bill's Doubles events. Uh, I think it's Paul Swenson was his yeah. name. Um, he really sold me on... on uh, and I saw the results. His world leaders are absolutely gorgeous. No. Yeah, it is world leaders. Yeah, That's world right. leaders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like, where'd you learn how to do that? And he talked about like these courses he took at Adepticon and some weird ones. Like, uh, he said his favorite one was how to paint chibi miniatures and do like eyes and makeup on them. And I don't know what that has to do with world eaters, but now he's got a bunch of chibi world eaters, right? Right in so, the lore, man. <laughs> it has to be. Read a book. <laughs> so I signed up for, I think, seven different uh, painting stuff. There's, I think, the Saturday, I have a course from like 8.30 to 1.30, 2 to 4.30, and then like 5.30 to 9.00. Oh wow. wow! I don't know when I'm gonna eat. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I hope I can like cart in a, a washroom break somewhere. The eye strain is gonna be vicious. Yeah, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to. Do you have to, glasses? You know, Arthur. No. You, Am I gonna need some? Will You're after, gonna need them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh man. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, I'm excited to go. Uh, it was really stressful though because one of our other friends he couldn't register exactly at the moment, and it looks like he's not going now because yeah. uh, everything is full up. Well, these sell out right away, right? It's like yeah. not even hour. It's usually yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. Which would tell the me that they, they, they should expand and make it bigger, but well, there's only so big something can be, right? Yeah, and then like, that's true. Um, 
how many halls, how many how many painters are you going to bring out? How how big is your tournament? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was watching some of the 30k threads flying on some of the pages of the Adepticon Heresy page itself and big shit show and server crashing people have all this stuff in their cart the carts crashed holy shit i lost my very important you know my vip ticket and some of their <laughs> scrubs grabbing it now and fuck. it it sounds I had, I had five devices open oh god wow and i was the first one of all my friends to uh, to get through all, all both of us actually uh and i figured out the trick is when i think what they were doing is like they were resetting the website or the server so I'd have one of my one of my devices going, and then as soon as it would reset, I'd click next page and all the other ones. Yeah. And then one of those ones would get through, and I'd be like, "Yes, wow, there you go." So that's the secret. Input my credit card info like five times. So I'm sure I'm sure I've been charged like going to Adepticon <laughs> six times by now. But yeah, I was gonna say now we know where all the Adepticon? tickets are. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. now we know where all the tickets are. That's right. Uh, so. You know what? I'm excited though. Uh, yeah. It's it's a great time to be playing any sort of board game. Um, as the new year is wrapping up, um, I think there's a lot of really good things to look forward to. Uh, with regards to 40k, it looks like we have a new edition on the rise, probably in the summer, um, maybe late fall. Uh, we absolutely have a new tournament set, and uh, the thing I like most about that is it, it really shakes up the meta. I'm tired of playing Necrons. <laughs> I don't want to run into Necrons at Game 5 and Event anymore. Uh, One was I'd rather get stomped by Demons. <laughs> If I recall, you you won that game versus Necron, so... Yeah, only because I had lost my three previous games against Necrons. Yeah. The secret of playing against Necrons is going first. <laughs> well, that's the secret to a lot of matchups. So. The secret to playing Tau is going first. <laughs> <laughs> I just roll better. Uh, this, this has always been the, this has always yeah, been the secret. So. That's just it. You just gotta roll better. It'll be fine. Actually, Arthur, Arthur sage-wisdomed me just yesterday at this... Uh, at this event I was at, because I, I, I was salty because I did lose uh, my second game, and, and you know, it was pivotal towards my, my final placement. Um, but I it, I had tactically played this game very well. I was really, really happy with how it was going, and then the string of about 30 or 40 dice, it just disappeared. Uh, and it was all just, it was just dice. And that's that's the game, right? Um, but I was, I was bitching about it in uh, group chat there. I'm sure you guys both saw. And, uh, you know, he said he's good. Scott, it's not just a tactics game, it's also a dice game. That's the reality of it, right? So that's You uh, could have the greatest secret. tactics in the world, but if your dice don't want to cooperate... Yep. Sometimes it's good to remember that. That's good true. to remember, so... That's true. That said, that's why you just play... Oh, go ahead, Bill. I was going to say, that said, um, anyone listening or even just you guys, do you do anything special with your dice before a big event? I remember I used to rock dice under my pillow. No lie, man. Dice no, under my pillow. There's no fucking way. Dice I no. did. You damn right. And uh, yeah, throw them under your pillow. Get that uh, that good magic going. Because sometimes you know the dice are, if they feel cold, it's just not the way. Exactly. <laughs> the, the the only time we went to the LVO, this guy had his his old lady there standing next to him, and he'd be like blowing my dice, and she'd fucking blow them every single roll, and he'd fucking roll like roll? a high roller. Every Jesus. Roll. God. That poor girl. She'd you got it, dude. <laughs> horse by the end of the day no doubt <laughs> yeah yeah no i uh so bill i'm gonna need so, you to come to my next event so i can blow my dice, dice for me <laughs> there you go, bill. some, oh, some of the things some of the things arthur does to his dice we actually can't talk about 
on the podcast and get you demonetized. So yeah. you could but, sign up uh, for an OnlyFans, and he could probably show you. But time for our second sponsored part of this stream. My <laughs> <laughs> OnlyFans. That, eh? I I do swap my dice out, like probably once every six months or so. That's probably about the only thing I do. I don't throw them out or anything, but like I'll I'll be like I'm I'm just not going to play with this set done. of dice. Yeah. For for six months or whatever, where I'm just like, just just bring in some new ones. So that's about it, though. I have two sets of dice, uh, and I'll swap them out. So yeah. uh, at Tide, my very first game, I had one set that were rolling fucking absolute dog shit. Hot swap the dice. Yeah. And you know what? Like I'm sure that mathematically it ended up being the exact same. It made me feel better. Oh sure. Yeah, exactly. It's just that's just it. Half the game is mental too, right? Oh, there's a cat. Um. Half the game is mental, and sometimes that's just what you got to do to uh, to help your your brain get through the game. So, see, I usually buy a set of dice for each faction that I'm playing. Yeah. So, like, I roll up with my Imperial Fist Templar dice. Like, that's that's what I'm rolling. That's it. If they fail me, well, fuck. <laughs> that sucks. Bills, it is what it is. I was big into the aesthetics. Yeah, so. I'm all about that extra detail. So, yeah. well, as we uh, close out the podcast. Um, what are your what are your twenty twenty three goals for for Warhammer? So many. Oh, no, you got like a list that's a page long, don't you? Well, I had a oh, thing. The- yeah, I had a thing. It was uh, if you've been keeping up the socials, you would see. But uh, get my Imperial Fist ready for LVO. Uh, try and get my Zone Mortalis Necromunda terrain all built. I've got a shit ton of that stuff, like three tables worth. Being able to go. Uh, obviously, you're going to be hosting an Iron Within event. It's going to be a big one, kind of. I think, I think it's going to be dubbed that for April, and then I think Iron Without in the fall, or it's going to be the big 40k one. Uh, obviously, get my Chaos Space Marine Army backlog done. That might actually get tra- changed out for Executioner Marines. We'll see how it goes, and I would, I would like to get my uh, collection built up to like 20 tables, get 20 mats. So, and then Jukari, obviously. I haven't forgotten about them. Arthur refuses to pay me good dollars, so I'm stuck with them. You know what? 330. <laughs> 330. Hey, Bill, didn't you want to build a slightly larger model this year, too? Yes. Oh, yes. The Big, big Daddy. I, uh, I have a Reaver Titan that I want to build. And I'm I'm going to be making sure it gets built this year for sure. Uh, it's not awesome. a it's not a Forge World one. It's actually a kind of like a redone version of a armor cast. I'm big into the armor cast stuff. That's kind of what drew me into the hobby back in the day. I have an armor cast Warhound. Uh, you can actually see him. He's right right there. Right there. Yeah. yeah. That's him. So, Give him a little um, scratch on the head. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, that's a little scratch. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I want to get that Reaver built. Uh, he's pretty legit, and it's, it's only an inch and a half smaller than a four-drilled one. So I just I love that cartoony, more kind of alien-esque look of the early Titans. I just think they look so cool. And yep. uh, having having a Titan, I think, is kind of almost like hobby, like your hobby bucket list, right? Everyone wants to have that big fuck off titan that they can look at and be like oh awesome even though you might only bring it to three games in a year if that but it's still nice to have so laundry list of goals but i also know how incredibly uh prolific you are with your assembly and painting man Uh, i wouldn't be surprised if it's august and you've already crossed everything off the list so well let's hope (laughs) we'll see 
Well, it'll be even easier once he gives me that Drakari arm for 320, right? <laughs> 320. Listen to this. 320 American. 320 American. I have to check the exchange to see if it's worth it. <laughs> what are you doing this year, Arthur? Okay, yeah. Here, here's the goals. I'm going to win one best painted, one best general, oh. one best sport. Bourbon, a shot, and a beer, eh? There you go. That's it. That's that's the goal. Last year, we managed to win a uh, best painted and a best general. We we never got the best sport because you guys are dicks. But <laughs> I uh, voted for you. Ryan voted for you, and he hadn't even played for you. He played with you, so. <laughs> so, uh, that that again is this year's goal: best painted, a best general, and a best sport. Nice. And you don't care where you get them from, though. I can buy them for myself if I have to. <laughs> yeah, go play like in a like a pool shark league for a little while or something, maybe. I think. Uh, well, I, I I opened with one. Right at the start, when I was saying I, I want to, I want to have no pile of shame. Uh, I'll, I'll give myself at the end of the year. I'll give myself a little leeway. Anything I buy in the last two weeks of the year doesn't count. But Bill, did you notice but, how uh, he didn't say no shame at all? Yeah, no, that's that's never going away. Uh, I'll leave one base unpainted. Um, I would really, really like to to pull a W, a big W on a GT this year. Um, I'll probably only get, you know, two or three shots. It's a, it's a high bar for a scrub like me, but I would like to get, like to get one of those unless I can't, then I'd like to get a big W on an RTT, uh, in which, in which case, if I can't do that, then I'd like to win a game. Uh, <laughs> and if I can't do that, I'm going to play Battletech. I was going to say play heresy. Yeah. You no, already have models, no. man. It's ready. Bill, I won't play narrative games, but I know that 30k is always narrative. I don't even know why they're splitting up competitive and narrative for LVO. It's always a narrative game, right? Always. My 12 dreads are all narrative. It's very narrative. So those those would be the big ones for me. That pile of shame is going to be the biggest one, even though it's getting smaller. But especially if I, I you know, rumors of a big marine releases this year. It'll be getting smaller and then getting bigger. So. Yeah. Yeah. I feel and hopefully, it. hopefully, I you know, from my satellite position with uh, with you Trident guys, I'd really love to see you get a couple couple of really good events go off this year, and and uh, you know, hopefully, look towards building something even even crazier going into twenty twenty four. So. That's yeah. That definitely is the goal. For sure. Yeah. So, wouldn't wouldn't mind getting like a beach pod too, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Just do one push up every time you fail a charge with your blood angels. Yeah. Yeah, that'd do one. it. That'd do it. Ten for each reroll fail. Yeah. That's the best way. Fitness well, I think that pretty much. Does that, does that wrap it all up? I think so, yeah. I was just looking. It looks like we ticked all the boxes here. So I could talk about Arcs of Omen all night, but uh, your, your viewers are probably getting tired of it. So, <laughs> what, When are we going to start playing Arcs of Omen at the club? Like well, after I, Red Plus tournament? We need to practice Nephilim a bit more. I mean, uh, it's between you and your opponent, man, always. So you want to play it? Yeah, didn't you? I thought you and Ryan played Arcs of Omen last, last week, didn't you? 
Yeah, we did. Actually, I have my league game coming up uh, <laughs> Thursday go. against Chaos Demons. And uh, I asked him, I said, do you want to play Arcs or no? And he's like, uh, I don't know, like, what's the changes? And I'm like, do you want to play Arcs or no? <laughs> How long you got, buddy? Like, yeah. is, that, is that Ethan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the brothers, Volmer? I actually don't know if playing Arcs benefits me with Tau, or, or not. Uh, I've heard opinions, but I don't know. I think that, like, the... Like, what, what did demons get hit with? A, a, a nerf to flamers? That's it? It's a big one. Uh, they got a few little points buffs, or points nerfs as well, uh, just on some of the most used stuff. Uh, and I actually I have to drop, like, a single crisis suit, so... I do think that they suffer... I Like, I actually think the Arcs of Omen detachment may not be great for them, or at least some oh. of them. Oh, they have to play uh, Mono God. They can't do their bullshit seventeen greater demons. Yeah, well that 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 part remains to be seen. I know there's some people who are saying, well, that maybe there's some allowances for it, but I mean I mean limiting them four HQs definitely does stop a five greater demon uh romp. So there's that. But uh yeah, I don't I get the feeling like they're probably not as impacted as some of the more talked about armies are, so Interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting You'll to see to how this thing shakes out. Yep. It'll be good. It's going to be very fun. Yeah. Especially if you're on Reddit. It's going to be very fun. Well, that's awesome. Well, I guess, yeah, that kind of wraps up the the cast this round. Let us know what your uh, predictions are in the comments. Let us know if you think our our predictions are pretty close or way off base. It's always good to uh, interact with you guys and kind of see where you're all coming from. So, How, What are your top three predictions for uh, meta armies in Arx of Omen? Yeah. yeah. By the end of Adepticon. And we'll <laughs> enter you into the draw for the Sarah Palin t-shirt. Signed. It's signed. Yeah. By my bill. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. by her. Not by, not by her. So but, bill. Yeah. I'll sign but it bill. is signed. Yeah. yeah. That'd be okay. Someone out there is going to want that shirt. Probably more than I would. <laughs> yeah. yeah somebody. Just, Bill manages to win it. Mysteriously. It, weird. It, it'll, it, it'll, be a, it'll be a mysterious person who never identifies themselves, and then we'll just see Aiden wearing it two weeks later. So. But uh, it's been good hanging out with you boys. Yeah. As always, thanks for jumping on, gents. Uh, appreciate yeah, Thanks for having me on the podcast once again. Yeah. And we'll definitely... Uh, We'll bring some more 40k action to you guys soon. Mm-hmm. Lots, now, lots of talk. My dice to lead us out. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't get through the screen. Yeah. Damn. Cool. Excellent. Have a good night, guys. Yeah. Catch you all later. Bye, friends.